Welcome home. Grab your Bibles and open them to 1 Samuel 16. While you're turning there, two things. Number one, as this service continues to grow, you can create capacity in open seats or even find a little more elbow room at our 1045 or our 8 a.m. One of the shortest mission trips you'll ever take is an hour later or an hour earlier. That's one. Number two, let me ask you a question while you're finding your Bible. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean? That's a very complex question. And people are actually a mixed bag. There are some good things about us. There's also some terrible things. And we typically either only see the good or the bad. And because of that, we choose to make people either heroes or criminals. But, but it's not that simple. Being human is more complex than that. And to better understand what it really means to be human, we began a study last week on the life of David. And in the Bible, there is more about the life of David than any other biblical figure except Jesus Christ. And David's life is a profound look at what it actually means to be human. Because scripture, it records every detail of David's life. His successes. David sets up Israel for the most successful time in their history. He, he was a musician. He was a writer. He, he pinned over half of the Psalms that we read. He was an amazing military mind and warrior. He's central and the prophecies about Jesus. But we also see his failures, his fallenness, his fear, his sin and weakness. And the Bible records all of it, all the complexity of what it means to be human. And I love what Eugene Peterson says when writing about David in a book, Leap Over a Wall. Eugene Peterson says this, talking about David, he's so emphatically human. David fighting, praying, loving, sinning. David with his eight wives. David angry. David devious. David dancing. David generous. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, that God can't and doesn't use to work his salvation and holiness in our lives. Peterson continues, David isn't an ideal life, but an actual life. Isn't that good? The David story, like most other Bible stories, presents us not with a polished ideal to which we aspire, but with this rough-edged actuality in which we see humanity being formed. I'll leave you with this last statement Peterson wrote. David's importance isn't in his morality or his military prowess. But in his experience, listen, his experience of and witness to God, every event in his life was a confrontation with God, end quote. Reading the life of David allows us to be more aware of what it means to be human. And that awareness allows us to realize our human need for the divine 
And David's story is indeed a story of the divine because this story is actually a story about God. It helps me understand, hey, how does God deal with me? How does God deal with you? We're also human and have our ups and downs. And what you'll see is God never walks away from David because David's not even the hero in his own story. God's the hero. And so in week two... We're looking at after David was anointed king, God places David in a season of preparation, in a season full of challenges that are going to stretch David, expose his humanness, but also deepen David's dependence on God. And so stand with me. We'll read 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23. This is what immediately happens after David was anointed king. Verse 14 says, Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord began to torment him. So Saul's servants said to him, You see that an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command your servants here in your presence to look for someone who knows how to play the lyre. Whenever the evil spirit from God comes upon you, that person can play the lyre and you will feel better. Then Saul commanded his servants, Find me someone who plays well and bring him to me. And one of the young men answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a valiant man, a warrior, eloquent, handsome, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul dispatched messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a wineskin, and one young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. And when David came to Saul and entered his service, Saul loved him very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, let David remain in my service, for he has found favor with me. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would pick up his lyre and play, and Saul would be relieved, feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Lord, you anointed young David as a king, and then you sent him into this season. And those of us that know the story know that this season, although it began innocent enough, began a really dark and treacherous season for David. And so, God, would you give us comfort to trust you in every season And to find strength from you in every season of our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So this is the period of the judges, which is a really bad time in the life of Israel. Everybody was a mess. And the prophet Samuel was told by God, hey, I've removed my hand from Saul. Go anoint King David. And he went and anointed King David, which we looked at last week. And David's first task was to be sent to go serve Saul, the the wicked king, the loser king that God just removed his hand on. And David is entering into a season of preparation that will last almost 15 years. And the struggle is real. If you know the story or have read the story, it doesn't take long after these verses for trouble to really begin. As David emerged as God's anointed king, Saul becomes jealous 
and angry and is after David. God's hand not only left Saul, but look back at verse 14. It says, now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and an evil spirit sent from the Lord began to torment him. God had removed his hand from Saul, which was judgment. And he says he sent an evil spirit. The Hebrew word here can also be translated misery. So you might think a spirit of misery. God doesn't do evil things. He's a God of grace, but he is also a God of judgment. Saul directly disobeyed God and didn't repent of it. And God rejected him and God judged him. And Saul was already walking in disobedience, but this right here just put him in a status of no return. And God sent a spirit of misery. And aren't you glad? Now we as God's people, God would never remove his spirit that would rest on us because the spirit doesn't just rest on us. No, it indwells us and it seals us and it keeps us. Isn't that good? Amen. But this was a rough season for Saul. Saul was at a point of no return and he was constantly after David. And Saul tries on numerous occasions to kill David. And twice David had the chance to kill Saul, but he doesn't. And David lives much of this season of preparation on the run. And this season of David's life, waiting to actually be the king, was a very difficult a season of struggle. And I would imagine David thought, man, why this season? I'm the anointed king. Why the struggle? Why the wait? As humans, did you know that we experience life in seasons? And often those seasons aren't pleasant. And often we despise those seasons or we're just focused on getting to the next season or we're looking at others around us and going man I wish I had their season it sure seems easy Solomon one of the wisest men who ever lived spoke of this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and he said there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven and Solomon the author of Ecclesiastes he doesn't describe how life should be in perfection. Instead, he writes how we as humans actually experience life, and we experience it in seasons. Some are good and some are bad. And Solomon suggests that God is actually superintending all of our seasons, the seasons that we want to stay in, the seasons we want to skip over. And sometimes we wonder, man... Is there any meaning in this season? Is there any purpose in this season? And I love how Paul specifically answers the question, is there purpose in any season? Look at Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. Talking about God, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time, look, to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. So the purpose of God in every season is to, is to bring this perfect submission and completion in, in Jesus Christ. And God is saying, I am involved in every season of your life. The challenging ones, the difficult ones, even when you're anointed king and you spend years running for your life. 
So here, here's the first thing I want you to write down today. I want you to write this statement down. Every season has its what? Struggles. struggles. I, I, let, me, let me paint a picture for you. I can remember, show of hands, how many of y'all can remember when you just couldn't wait to start driving? I remember like 14, I just want to get my learner's permit. If I could ever start driving, that would be a better season. Then you start driving, you're like, man, I want to drive solo. There's so much more freedom. No girl wants to go out with you when your mom's in the back seat. It's just not that cool. Man, if I could ever just get to college, that'd be a great season. If I could ever get a job and earn some money, man, if I could ever pay off all this stuff I bought with my money. There's a challenge in every season. The problem is most of us don't know how to actually be where we are. Every season has its struggle. I'll prove it to you. So, so many of you ladies thought, if I could just get married, all my problems would be over. <laughs> I'll make the flowers look like this. The dress will look like this. I'll dress the groom up like this. We'll get it all done, and then all my problems will be over. <laughs> You made a whole nother set of problems, girl. <laughs> Moreover, we often look at other people and we see their season and we travel like a visitor and it looks great from the outside, but you sit down with them. They're like, whoa, 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 it's different when you live here. I love to go skiing. My family and I, we, we love to go skiing and we love to take ski trips and we're like god i pray it dumps 20 inches of snow every day while we're there we want to ski in fresh powder every day and the locals are like yeah it's beautiful but that stuff you ski in is the stuff we have to shovel every day just to get out of our driveway it's different when you live here and sometimes we just look at the outside and we don't understand the struggle that's actually there there's a famous story of a businessman he had arrived, had it all together. And the guy interviewed him and said, hey, what's a struggle in this season that others don't see that you would tell a young guy who's aspiring to be you? What would you tell him? And he said, I said, I'd probably tell him there are many days that I would trade my success for his freedom because I've got all this money, but I don't have any time to spend it. And he might envy my net worth, but he wouldn't envy the mountain of pressure that's associated with it he has no idea of. And sometimes we, we see the fruit in other people's lives, but you don't know the struggle it took for them to get there. There's a season of struggle that David is walking into that will shape David's life. There are seasons and struggles that we walk through that shape our lives, and we shouldn't despise them. God is sovereign over them. When Paul was saved and set apart to be the apostle Paul, he was sent to the desert for three years. Moses, before he led him out of Egypt, 40 years in Midian. Jesus, the first 30 years of his life was ordinary. Then, after his public baptism and his launch to ministry, 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy. There is a struggle in every season. And the sooner you realize it, the sooner you can be set free to fulfill God's purpose for you in that season. To enjoy God in that season. To worship God in that season. And we need to learn 
that every season is a season God has ordained and we can step into it, stand in that season, grow in that season, glorify God in that season and take the times and gifts that we have and yield fruit in that season. Every season has its struggles. But every season has what? Strength available for you. I've told you this church probably will continue many years how my wife and I had six miscarriages in the first seven years of our marriage. I told you that many times, but I haven't never told you about the second miscarriage. You see, it was the second one that really stuck with us. Because <laughs> we remember going to the doctor and the doctor saying, okay, I see a strong heartbeat. This is developing. I, I can close my eyes 20 years later and I can remember the doctor saying, as clear as it was, where you are today, you have at least a 95% chance of carrying this child to term. Basically, everyone at this point delivers that baby. Go home, celebrate. And the next day, God called that baby home. I'm not saying that our experience is harder than yours. I'm not saying that it's more difficult than David being anointed king and having to run for his life. What I am saying is I never in a thousand years would have picked that season for me and Kim, ever. But 20 years this side of it, I would never ask God to remove it because it shaped who we are. And it forged us together and to him. And we had to lean in and decide, is this faith thing real in every season of our life? And we had to learn that God is near, even in the dark night of the soul. And he planted our roots deep into Christ. And he said, trust me, I will make all things beautiful in my time. In every season, in every time, there is a struggle, but there is a strength, and his name is Jesus. And humans, we, we lack the strength that we need, but it can plunge you in to the riches of Christ. And today, right now, God has something for you. Not when you get older, not when the Roth IRA is fully funded, not when it hurts a little bit less, because some of the things we deal with aren't going to be completely healed till we get to glory. But right now... God says, stand firm and rejoice in this season. And David, he obediently stepped into that season, and his mere presence soothed Saul. I want you to, I'm going to invite Justin up here, and I want you to read this verse with me. Look, look at what happens. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would pick up his lyre and play. And Saul would then be relieved. He would feel better. The evil spirit would leave him. Da David, through music, could soothe Saul. Did you know that music was actually cultivated in the school of the prophets? And what they believed was that music could usher you into the presence of God. It could invite the presence of God. It doesn't magically manifest it. I'm saying it allows you more easily to enter into the presence of God. And he would soothe that. And quite often, 
You, you feel that when you're here. There's worship and there's preaching. You're invited into the presence of God. And there's this moment where you're like, I can make it. I can heal. I can keep going. The problem is most of us don't have disciplines in our life to walk that out the rest of the week. And so, like, I can stand in this season on Sunday. And then on Monday, you're like, nope. Am I the only honest person in here? And I love our worship team. Do you love our worship team? But you know our worship team can't follow you home. Do you know that? Like, you're not going to be able to go home, and you're doing the dishes. The kid left out, and then your husband comes in. He puts bills down, and you're arguing about this, and you're arguing about that. And Justin, just pull up a piano right into the middle of your living room and get going. I'm, f- I'm fighting about I'm fighting a battle. Just right in the middle of that argument. That you've already won. Just, whoa. Like, that's, that's not going to happen. David played the liar for Saul, and it soothed him. And this gathering reminds you of a season of a struggle, but a strength in that season. But our worship team doesn't go home with you. You, you and your wife are going to stand at the door one day, and you're going to watch your daughter walk off with this hairy-legged boy on their first date, and you're going to want to just weep, and you're not going to have Justin right there behind you to play this. It is well. <laughs> it's just, it's not going to happen. Every season has its struggles, but every season has its strength. And we give strength here on Sunday, but you've got to learn how to walk in a strength that's available to you through the power of Jesus every day in your life. There's a, there's a moment in your life coming when, when Goody was diagnosed with cancer, when we had those miscarriages, when we walk through seasons. Justin may not be in your living room but you can still worship. You, you, you could sing it as well on your own. Sing it for us, Justin. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. There's a strength in every season, and his name is Jesus. Because David foreshadows someone who's coming that doesn't simply soothe, he heals. David treated a symptom, he couldn't heal the soul of Saul. Jesus doesn't treat your symptoms, he soothes and heals your soul. And David walked through a season where he was antagonized and attacked and tried to kill him. And Jesus came onto this earth and he was marginalized, brutalized, and was actually killed because of our sin, but he didn't stay in a grave. He rose again and he stands as the great shepherd king who is victorious. And David was responsible for this transfer of power in the monarchy in Israel from a bad king, Saul, to good king, David. But, but the king that we serve now is never going to have to worry about a transfer of power 
Like Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father right now and will rule and reign. And in fact, one day, every knee will bow before him. We don't have to worry whether he's a good king or a bad king. He is our king, the king. And every day, his strength for you, walk with you in whatever season you're facing. So I pray that, I pray you'd get some strength from us today as part of the body gathering together. But tomorrow, on Tuesday, why don't you learn how to grab some of that strength that's available to you every day. Stand with me. Lord, I don't know why. I don't know why some seasons are allowed other than, Lord, you You're pressing us into you. You're deepening our roots. You're strengthening our lives through seasons. And we will be a people that glorify you and point to you in the good, but we also sing your praises in the bad. And we seek you and we want to know you and we will worship you as our great shepherd king. Thank you, Lord that in every season you are sovereign and you are good and you are present. Dry eyes today, heal hearts today, give strength today, fresh wind today, fresh fire today, fresh courage today. Your people, God, will look to you and always you in Jesus' name. Everybody said.